Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. The Academy of American Poets has awarded a $50,000 fellowship to Amy Whittemore, who is a lecturer in the Department of English at MTSU. She is the only one in Tennessee to be chosen for this honor. She's the author of the book Glass Harvest, a book of poetry which we discussed on a prior edition of this program. And we'll talk to her about what she's going to do with her grant to further the cause of poetry and uh, the cause of community after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Small business owners across the state unclear about the process for applying for emergency assistance from the federal government are encouraged to seek free counseling assistance through the Tennessee Small Business Development Centers across the state. The TSBDC has professional counselors in offices throughout the state available to help small business owners access programs such as the Payroll Protection Program, as well as economic injury and small business administration relief loans implemented as part of the federal government's Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or CARES Act, and who may not have close relationships with local banks, lenders, or accounting firms to help them tap into available relief. Hosted at MTSU, the network of Tennessee Small Business Development Centers have operated for more than three decades and are funded in part through a cooperative agreement with the U.S. Small Business Administration, participating universities, and community colleges, plus regional support partners. As part of the COVID-19 relief aid, the Paycheck Protection Program is a loan designed to provide a direct incentive for small businesses to keep their workers on the payroll. The Small Business Administration will forgive loans if all employees are kept on the payroll for eight weeks and the money is used for payroll, rent, mortgage interest, or utilities. The deadline for an economic injury disaster loan is December 31st. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Amy, welcome. Thanks for being with us again. Uh, you're a poet laureate for cultural arts for 2020. Poetry is near and, and dear to your heart. How do you want to use this money to use poetry to bring us together? Um, so there's two major projects that I'll be funding the fellowship. Uh, the first one is a series of workshops and open mics for LGBT plus youth in Murfreesboro and Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. And I'll be partnering with Southern Word, a nonprofit in Nashville, to offer those workshops and open mics. Um, in the beginning, they will be remote uh, so that we can practice good social distancing, but we're hoping eventually to have workshops in person. Um, and those events will culminate in a youth writing workshop or conference, I should say, in partnership with MTSU's LGBT conference in the spring of 2021. Which we also hope will be uh, in person by then because this year's had to be canceled because of the pandemic, unfortunately. Yes, exactly. So, so there's a lot of hope in all this, but we have some ideas to do everything um, remote if we have to. Um, and then the other uh, big project I'll be funding is supporting Murfreesboro's reading series, Poetry in the Borough. Um, some of the funds will be used to, again, when we're in person, uh, pay for featured readers to present at the, the reading series. Uh, we're also going to be starting a poetry calendar 
and this will be a calendar featuring local poetry and photography that you can hang on your wall and mark down all of the arts events when we have arts events again on it. And the hope is that with the seed money, we can start the calendar for 2021 and then it'll be a fundraiser for Poetry in the Borough from here on out. What is it about poetry that can bring solace to people in times that are as troubled and complicated as these, not just because of the pandemic, but because of the demonstrations against inequality, the widening fiscal inequality gap between the haves and the have-nots. A lot of people feel as though everything is coming down on top of them at once, not that their forefathers haven't gone through complicated times, but what is it about the genre of poetry that can be soothing at times like these? I think poetry can be not only soothing, but a way to air grievances and anger, um, which I think are also things people are feeling right now. Uh, Because one, it is a tool that we all have access to, right? You don't have to learn the piano to write a poem. Um, You don't have to have a special instrument. Uh, You can even make it up in your head if you don't have paper and pen or some other utensil. So I think poetry is really accessible, and I think it is also musical. Um, It uses language very specifically, concretely, to convey the matters of the heart and the soul and the mind, and I think that's why we turn to it in these difficult times. What do you say to students or to uh, an adult in a workshop who might have sort of a a stereotyped and inaccurate perception of poetry and be saying to himself or herself, oh, I I just can't do this. This has never been my thing. I'm no good at this. I, you know, I'm I'm not literate. I just, you know, I I just express myself in different ways. What do you say to a person like that? One, as with almost, I think, anything that people are resistant to, I would offer an invitation to have a playful attitude about it. If you go into it, going into reading a poem or writing a poem as an act of play, as an experiment, rather than something that you have to be an expert in or something that you will be judged if you don't actually like to do, um, I think that helps. And I think trying to introduce poetry into that situation that is accessible. Uh, Some poetry is written in language that is dense or difficult to follow. Uh, Not all poems are like that. So I also make sure to to share work that I thought a wide variety of people can connect with. Just as a sideline, who's your furry friend? (laughs) This is Sage. She is my writing companion. She helps write all the poems. (laughs) <laughs> okay, now, so we're co-starring Sage in this particular episode here. Yes. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is MTSU on the Record. The Middle Tennessee State University Women's Studies Research Series features compelling monthly talks on gender-related topics by faculty and graduate students. The series offers a chance to learn about research in progress and to chat with faculty in an informal setting. All lectures are free and open to the public and are held on the MTSU campus. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. 
To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with Amy Whittemore, who is a lecturer in the Department of English at MTSU and one of the recipients of a $50,000 fellowship from the Academy of American Poets to create poetry programs in the community. When uh, we talked about glass harvests, uh, a, a lot of that was based on your upbringing in the Midwest. What else inspires you when, when it comes to, to poetry? Is uh, Some people are really inspired by nature, others by human nature, others yet by uh, the need to speak out on issues that they, they find compelling. What inspires you? Um, I mean, the short answer would be all of the above. I, I definitely write about nature, about humans, about issues that are close to my heart. Um, but actually, you know, my teaching at MTSU is also an inspiration. I've been teaching a science fiction class off and on since I first started here at 20, in 2016. And that has filtered into my poems. So recently I've worked on some poetry projects about alien abduction, um, about uh, a person trapped in a black hole um, from the perspective of different alien species. So I've really enjoyed that class and what it's given to my, my poetry as well. What does it mean to be Poet Laureate for Murfreesboro Cultural Arts? Uh, it's a title of esteem, but I don't really know what it means. What does it mean to you? To me, it means I get to combine two of my great loves, uh, poetry and serving the community. And each poet laureate gets to explore on their own um, what that looks like. Um, so for me, it's been the projects we've already discussed. I also put together um, a collaboration this spring called Dream Geographies, which featured a person from the community sharing a description of one of their dreams and an artist or, and poet um, making work based on that dream description. Um, so that was really great to see come together, especially in this time when we're all so physically distant. Uh, to connect through dreams felt really powerful. So yeah, I get to be creative in ways of connecting with the community and talking about poems with people. When it comes to uh, LGBT youth, why is that a particular focus of your uh, grant uh, creations? Um, there's a few reasons. Uh, one, as a member of the queer community, I know that when I was a young person, uh, I found a lot of solace in what I read and wrote in, in college, especially um, to process my identity. Uh, two, I know that growing up in an area where you may not be accepted by your, your parents um, or your family or other members of your community based on who you are, um, that's extremely difficult. And I want to provide a space where youth can connect to each other into resources to help them um, embrace and celebrate who they are and, and find ways to have resilience in the face of, of discrimination that they might face. Is there a, similarly, a community of poets? Uh, do poets network both here in Tennessee and across the country and exchange ideas? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, different, there's different ways to create that kind of community. For me, it's staying in touch with people I went to grad school with or other conferences with. 
and they keep me writing, they support my work, they give me good critique, um, and I hope that this is something that it offers youth, that these workshops can create that sense of community for them too. What is your creative process like? I might, I might have asked you this at the time we discussed Glass Harvest, but if you're just driving along and an idea pops into your head, do you pull over to the road and, and jot it down? Or do you conscientiously sit down at a desk and say, all right, now I'm going to write something, even if it stinks, I'm gonna write and edit and re-edit and keep going, and you, you have a, a more disciplined approach to it than that? Or do you just strike when the iron is hot, whenever the muse visits you? Um, I, I definitely have a more disciplined approach. Um, I think the muse is more likely to visit you if you create space for the muse to come visit and time for, for the muse. So I try to spend most mornings at my writing desk. Some days are very fruitful, some days are not. Um, but it's just making that time to sit there with the words um, and being open to the fact that it's never gonna be a perfect first draft that always comes together. Um, it takes a lot of revision to make something what I want it to be. So that's generally, generally my approach. Um, but you know, once in a while, you do have to pull over to the side of the road and write something down. <laughs> um, you know, I, bands are known for creating concept albums in which all the songs on the album are the part of a greater whole or the part of a greater theme. Do you think that way in terms of putting a book of poetry together or not necessarily so? I think so. I mean, I like to think of sort of the book being like the last poem, right? All the poems together are kind of have a synergetic effect as you're saying with the concept album. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's a place for greatest hits albums, too, and I think some poets, especially those further along in their career, can put those, those pieces together that way. Do you think that the students who come to you uh, at MTSU are getting much instruction in poetry in K-12? through um, Can you tell? I mean, I, most of my classes at MTSU don't deal with poetry, so I've had limited experience talking with students at MTSU about poems. Um, but that said, more often than not, there's at least a few students in each class who mention poetry as a hobby or something that they do for fun to express themselves. So I think they are getting that instruction. Um, and... I, I mean, I love being part of that chain of instruction and helping them see how poetry can fit even more into their lives, that they can learn to do better at it or read new poets. So, so I'd say yes. Um, could there be more? Probably. I have known guys, especially in high school, who have written poems and kept notebooks of poems at home, but never really showed them to their friends or their peer group because they are afraid of being labeled something or other, uh, sissy, effete, or elitist, or brainiac, or, or whatever. Uh, does poetry carry a stigma with some kids? Um, oh, that's a big question. I think, I think it probably does. I think you're pointing towards some of the issues around 
um, through the broad umbrella of toxic masculinity, right? Like why do we not let our boys be tender and gentle and in touch with their feelings? Um, so so I th I'm sure there are, are young men who probably resonate with what you just expressed. Um, but I think it probably goes across the gender divide. Like if you don't um, have good experiences with poetry, if you're not surrounded by people who at least see it as something to do without judgment, um, even if they don't necessarily like it themselves, I could see there being some resistance as a kid to, to not want to be different. We'll take another break right here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERRA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERRA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Amy Whittemore is our guest. She's a lecturer in the Department of English and the recipient of a $50,000 fellowship from the Academy of American Poets to lead poetry programs. How do you lead a poetry workshop? What do you do? <laughs> um, well, first, you got to get people talking to each other. Um, so I usually start with a game or an icebreaker question to get things going. Um, and then two, I also try to make the, the writing prompts that we go through playful. Um, play is kind of one of my favorite themes to go to. So it might be that you exchange words with a neighbor so that you get some of their language and you use it in your poem you're gonna write. Um, we do a lot of sharing of the work we generate in the moment so that we take ourselves less seriously. No one's gonna be perfect at writing something in five minutes. Um, and if you can get comfortable with that, you can embrace that imperfection you can open up new space in your writing, explore things, um, write about things maybe you never thought you would write about. I still run into people my parents' age who think that poetry is ya da 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 ya da 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 and every second word or every other word has to rhyme. Do you still run into that? Oh yeah, there's definitely people who feel like if it doesn't rhyme, it's not a poem. I also think some people, especially if their only experience with poetry has been in, in grade school and high school, they may have only read rhyming poems. Um, so they may not even realize all the possibility of what a poem can be. How do you know when you read somebody else's work that, hey, this, this is good enough to be published. This person is worthy of recognition. It's a very intuitive feeling um, where a poem, Emily Dickinson once said it's when a poem takes the top of your head off. And I think that's a really, really powerful way to describe the feeling um, where you connect with the language, with the music, with an insight that the poet has. 
and you feel like other people need to see this. This is something that has a spark to it. Um, and that's when I know I want to encourage a student to publish or if I have the potential to publish something myself. I also think that there's uh, some people have a stereotype of all writers, regardless of whether they're writing poetry, short stories, novels, plays, or whatever, as tortured souls. That if you don't suffer for your art and you're not crying every third day of your life, then you're no good as a writer. Uh, can we put the kibosh on that myth right now? Oh, yes, please. I think uh, one, that myth really is dangerous to people who have mental health issues. Um, it, mental health issues should be taken care of. They shouldn't be exasperated for your art. I think that's really uh, a dangerous idea. Um, and two, I think in just about any category of effort, you do better when you feel good, be it writing a poem or solving a math problem or waitressing or working as a doctor, right? If you're well rested and have good food and people who you care about nearby, you do better work. So if you're a great playwright, you don't have to be Eugene freaking O'Neill in <laughs> order to get your plays on the stage. No, no, please don't be that. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much does the pandemic hamper what you're trying to accomplish as an educator? Or uh, have you been able to adjust to it fairly well in terms of communicating with people? Um, I've adjusted fairly well as an introvert. Um, who already communicates a lot online. Some of the transition has felt natural. It was really hard to make the transition to remote learning with my MTSU classes this spring, just because I, I love being with my students. I love being around their energy, um, seeing their faces. I, I chose not to do Zoom to keep things simple. Um, so I really missed that, that power of the classroom. And I know I'm gonna miss it in this, the fall too, cause I'll be teaching remotely then. Um, but I also think it's opened up some pathways to being more creative and thinking about um, sort of the possibilities, what you can do online in an online space um, in new ways. So I'm looking forward to those opportunities and challenges that lie ahead as that continue to teach in this format. Do you like, if you have to use the computer, do you like putting everything on D2L and getting students to respond to you and to each other that way? Or do you prefer getting into Zoom situations like this, if you have a small enough class that can handle it, and having a uh, contemporaneous give and take? Um, I, I think... A little bit of both is the way to do it. I think that there is, I think Zoom fatigue is real. It's a weird energy that you use when you're staring at a screen filled with people's faces. Um, so I think limiting that to when it's only really gonna serve the, the content we're trying to go over is gonna be my approach. Um, and two, I think sometimes for quieter students or students who need more time to, to process their responses to different things, the D2L asynchronous discussion is a wonderful resource, and I'll definitely be using that too. So all the tools in the toolbox is my approach. <laughs> Who are some of the poets that you admire? Um, 
there are so many, it's hard to, to find a place to start. Um, some of the local poets that I admire, um, a couple of whom actually read in a Facebook Live event that Poetry in the Borough and Poetry in the Brew held called Black Voices Matter are uh, Tiana Clark, who is a nationally renowned poet whose home is Nashville. And she writes wonderfully about, um, about Nashville and the South. Uh, Sienna Rouse is another wonderful black poet in Nashville. She actually visited one of my classes last fall and she is, is brilliant. Um, and Destiny Birdsong is another writer who shared in that um, Black Voices Matter who has her first book coming out, I think later this year. Uh, all of them are really wonderful writers. Is there a certain symbiosis between rap music, lyrics and poetry? Uh, that can engage African-American youth and get them involved in it? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, rap and hip-hop are pretty broadly listened to across the culture, um, not just in the African-American community. So I think they are, um, I think, I think any music, honestly, can be a way to help students start thinking about poetry because most lyrics rhyme to some extent have imagery in them, tell a story, but with very few words. So having students bring in a favorite song to as part of a poetry unit, I think makes a lot of sense. So if you would like to get involved in any of Amy's writing workshops, open mics, any of the uh, endeavors that she is going to be putting this money to use for. Uh, it's, the plans are still a work in progress, so I'm just going to give your uh, email and uh, they can contact you in search of specific information as it becomes available. It's A-M-I-E dot W-H-I-T-T-E-M-O-R-E at M-T-S-U dot E-D-U. Or if you're driving and you can't write all that down, just go to the mtsu.edu website, put in the search engine, Amy Whittemore, and it'll pop up. Great. Amy Whittemore, congratulations on your, your fellowship and thanks for being our guest again on MTSU on the Record. Yes, thanks so much for having me. We'll be right back. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. Nearly a third of America's 330 million souls can't name one of the five rights they're guaranteed by the First Amendment. 
That's a shocking statistic the Free Speech Center at MTSU wants to change. Nearly two dozen Nashville artists, authors, and athletes are part of a new one-for-all nationwide media campaign. Ken Paulson, director of the Free Speech Center in MTSU's College of Media and Entertainment, explains why this campaign is so important. We really don't, as a society, have a full appreciation about why the First Amendment serves us so well and why its five freedoms are so important. What we've set out to do is to market the First Amendment to the American people. We've discovered the best way to reach out to a new generation is with celebrity. And so we've just launched a brand new ad campaign in which individual stars talk about what the First Amendment means to them. Famous people can make a difference, and this is for all the right reasons. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.